Hear the word of the Lord from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Justin, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. It's my joy and pleasure to preach God's word for you this morning. For those of you who are new to our church, this is a great time to be checking us out because we are in a sermon series studying the fundamentals of our church. Each week we are looking um, in detail at a key piece of the DNA of our church. The last four weeks we studied what we call our identities. Our identities are who we are, okay? Because of what God has done for us in the person and work of Jesus, he has made us into a family of missionary servants learning to live all of life for the glory of God. So in that statement, you hear four things. You hear four identities that God has given to us through the gospel. One, we're a family. Two, we're missionaries. Three, we're servants. Four, we're learners. That's who Jesus has made us into. We didn't earn that identity. It was given to us by sheer grace. And here's one reason why that's so important, why we focus on that. When you understand who you are in Christ, the identity that's been given to you, there's no more trying to act like a Christian. It's a glorious, gloriously freeing experience to not trying to become something anymore. You realize you are and you can kind of breathe out and live a normal life. See, being a Christian is a received identity. You are one. It's received and there's a lot of security in that reality. And when you realize that, what you realize is this is who God made me to be and I've been given this identity and now listen, all of my life is now meant to be lived for the glory of God. All of my life is meant to be sacred. That means there's no longer any weird division between my spiritual life or my religious life and my everyday life. So when we begin to start looking at like, how do I live? One of the things that's really helpful to do is go back to our identities and say, well, who are we? How does a family member live as a part of a family? How does a servant live in the city? How does a missionary live their life? So I go back to my identities, who I am, who God has made me to be, and that helps me understand how it is I should live moving forward. And one of the things that's really cool about this is you realize just how kind of normal it is. We, we, at Sacred City, we've got a, a few different rhythms. We say, we listen, we eat together, we celebrate, we 
bless one another. We recreate with one another. It's really a normal life, live for the glory of God. So at Sacred City, our identities are who we are, and then our rhythms are how we live. It's how we do what we do. So let me just say it like this. Gospel identities create gospel rhythms in the context of our normal everyday life. Now, for the next five weeks, we're going to drill down into one of these rhythms each week. And one of the things you're going to notice is just how simple and normal it is. It doesn't feel real spiritual. It's going to feel pretty normal. Now, I remember a few years ago when I was in Kenya and I was teaching this principle. See, many times we have this idea of a Christian as someone who does like really big spiritual type things like preach the gospel or lead a Bible study or evangelize on the street corner or maybe lead worship like they did so well this morning, right? And that, that concept, now those are do, they are doing Christian type things, but if you think like that's, own, that's the only type of Christian things that God calls us to do, well, that concept leaves a lot of Christians wondering, well, what can I do to serve God? I can't hit that note that Amanda hit. Uh-uh. I mean, I worked with her last night to make sure she hit it. I was like, babe, it's like this. Right? No. Right? Right? No, I'm normal. So what does a normal Christian do? Well, we get it in our mind. Well, I guess we just, we serve God on Sundays and then we pray during the week and then that's what we do till next Sunday. Well, I was explaining in Kenya, I was explaining the gospel and how Jesus came and served us. And he served us, first off, in very normal ways. We saw, we've heard in the past few weeks by washing feet and, and healing the sick and doing things. But then he also served us by going all the way to the cross. He served us all the way unto death. And through his death and resurrection, delivers us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his own, his own kingdom, right? And because Jesus served us like that, he makes us into servants of himself. He makes us into servants. And so well, what do servants do? Well, servants, as they live in a family, we cook meals for one another. That's the way we serve one another, right? We pray for one another. Somebody's got stuff, they're moving, right? They're moving, guess what? We help them move, right? It's one of those days I wish I could tap out on my servant identity, right? Hey, I'm moving. I'll pray for you, brother. <laughs> Good luck with that one, right? But they're like, but you have a truck. I'm like, damn it. I do have a truck, right? So this is what it means to live as a family of servants together, right? It's pretty simple stuff. Well, I was teaching this. Jesus serves us. He makes us into servants. And so now we go live our normal life. We serve one another as a way of life. And in Swahili, she stands up and she says, I do this. I do this. And I was like, okay. Well, and then I'm waiting for the interpreter to, to figure out what she's saying. I could tell she's very excited about whatever she's saying. And what she was realizing is she kind of felt like, like a second-class Christian, like a, a B-team Christian, because she wasn't really you know, doing anything great for God. But her father had gotten sick, and she had brought her father back into her house, and she was serving him and taking care of him and meeting his needs. And for the first time when she hears the gospel and the way Jesus served her and he made her into a servant, now servant, servant, she was like, oh, I am one of those. I, I've been doing that this whole time. And for the first time, it was like this epiphany moment of, oh, this is what it means to be a Christian. Like God's given me this identity and I've actually been doing it and I didn't even know about it. 
wasn't even aware of it. Now I'm praying that all of us over these next few weeks would have some of those epiphany moments. I want to train you here. Here it is. This is not, you're not going to learn anything profound today. Sorry. Okay. But what I'm trying to do is train you to be a gloriously normal Christian. Gloriously normal Christian who knows how to live your everyday life for the glory of God because God isn't just interested in your prayer life and in your Sunday morning life. He's interested in your everyday second by second life. Your normal life lived for his glory. So that's where we're headed. I'm gonna pray for us. We've got some scriptures to get through this morning, so let me pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we need you to speak to us. The words of man don't really change our life. They definitely don't lead to eternal life. Only the words of God do. And so I pray, Lord, you would think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords. Would it be all of you and none of me? Would your people hear your voice this morning? And a voice of another, I pray that they would not follow. Open our clogged spiritual ears this morning to hear the words of life. Would you do this for your glory and our great joy? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so this morning we're going to drill down into one of these rhythms, and it's the rhythm of listening. Now, this is something all of us already do. We, you know, we're, we're, we're listening to things all the time. I seriously hope you're listening right now. The question is, how does our identity as family, missionary, servant, and learners change the way that we listen? To answer that question, we're going to go to the words of Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 10 this morning. Jesus here is going to tell us kind of a parable about sheep, shepherds, and sheep folds. Now, I doubt many of us are experts in those, you know, in quadrupeds, right? Those little furry quadrupeds. Most of us probably don't have that. Quadruped means uh, four-legged animal. It's a cool word though, isn't it? You can write that one down, right? Now, Jesus, what he's doing, he's going to teach us a parable about shepherds and sheep and stuff, but he's really talking about us. And the First off, he's going to start out talking about a sheep fold, and a sheep fold is basically a pen where they keep sheep, okay? Uh, In Jesus' day, several families that lived near each other would combine their resources and build one sheep fold. A sheep fold was basically um, a pen built out of stones, and then it had one gate, had one entrance, okay? So let's read it and see what God says to us. Jesus says this in ten, chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, when Jesus uses that statement, truly, truly, he's doing the, the kind of the thing where like parents, look at me, right? Why? Because we know if you don't look at me and listen, five minutes later, I'm gonna ask you why you didn't do it. And he, you're gonna say, I didn't hear you say that. I'm like, oh, convenient. Look at me. Confirmation right now. Jesus is saying truly, truly. So he's saying, listen up to all of us. Okay? Keep reading. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Okay, pause. What's, what's he saying right now? Clearly, 
we shepherds build sheep pens for many different reasons. One, to keep uh, enemies out and wolves out and, th- and stuff, but also to keep bad people out, evil people, thieves and robbers. And Jesus is saying, basically, a thief and a robber will try to jump over the side of the pen and get in there and steal the sheep, but a shepherd will walk through the front door. Okay, keep reading. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Okay, so this pen has got private security. Okay, it's got a gatekeeper that sits out front and won't let anybody in unless they're, unless they're the, the shepherd, okay, to protect. So these families hired a gatekeeper to keep out uh, bad people, all right, and protect their own sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The first thing we need to see here is this is a parable about the gospel. This is a parable about how God calls us into his family, how God saves us. And one of the things that he says right there is God calls his sheep by name and they follow him. This is glorious. Now, we need, some, we need some clarity here because the rest of the scripture helps us understand what that actually looks like. God does not look down at us and look for really nice sheep. He doesn't look for people doing sheepish things and go, there's my sheep, right? No, no, no. God calls us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So when God calls us, it's not like when I look out the back door and I call my dog and my dog you know, if it's done with his business and it's, you know, not got anything else to do, he'll come. But if not, he'll look at me and go, nah, no thanks, right? That's not how God calls us. God calls us the way Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. Lazarus was dead in the tomb and Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Can dead people hear? I don't think so, but they can hear the voice of God, right? So when The Bible tells us we're dead in our trespasses and sins and Jesus looks at you and calls you by name and you come to him. That's how God calls his sheep. That's how Jesus calls those whom he loves. He speaks your name and you respond to him and you are his, okay? Keep reading. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Okay, Jesus here is teaching us the way he leads his sheep. First, he calls them out by name. They come to him. But this is interesting. This is different than the way that shepherds lead, uh, you know, lead sheep to their destination in our country. We have sheepdogs, right? We have sheepdogs that kind of nip and bark and scare the bejesus out of the sheep to get them where they go. But back in Jesus's day, that's not how shepherds worked. Shepherds worked by training their sheep to recognize their voice. Think of the picture. 
the shepherd, there's three or four different shepherds, three or four different families, three or four different types of sheep in there that belong to different people. The shepherd would walk up to the gate. The gatekeeper would open it. The shepherd would look at his sheep, call his sheep. Come on, let's go. We're going for a walk. And that shepherd would lead them gently to green pastures or wherever they're going. And those sheep that were his would follow him. And the sheep that were not his would stay there. Okay. Now this is kind of like a second layer of security. We have the fence around them, but we also have this internal sense of security that the sheep know my voice and they'll follow my voice and they won't follow another, vo another voice, okay? Now what Jesus is doing here is he's using this parable to teach his people the important rhythm of listening. He says, in effect, my people listen to my voice that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep. So when one shepherd comes in and speaks, only his sheep are meant to follow him. Here's the principle. It's very simple. It's simple and clear, yet not easy to follow, okay? Christians listen to Jesus. We hear his voice and follow him. We do not listen and follow the voice of a stranger. And a stranger is any other shepherd other than Jesus. Jesus is our leader and we follow his voice above all others. Now I want, to see, I want you to see the tension that's in this parable. Jesus sets up the story by saying, there's some bad guys out there that might break in and try to steal the sheep. This is why I've built a fence and this is why I've to listen to my voice. If a thief jumps in here, I don't want my sheep following him because that, sh that shepherd might be trying to steal them, kill them, destroy them for profit. I don't know that other shepherd. I don't even, I don't know where he's gonna try to lead my, my sheep. So I've trained my sheep to listen to my voice. Now what that means is the sheep must know the shepherd's voice well enough to discern between his voice and another. When the bad guy jumps in and tries to lead them astray, they do not recognize that voice of the stranger, and so they do not follow him. This is a key principle for us as followers of Jesus. We listen to the voice of Jesus, and we don't listen to those who would shepherd us in different ways. Now, this is the same principle that's taught in the book of Proverbs over and over and over. And I'm gonna go there to Proverbs chapter two, verses six through 19, because Solomon there, teaching his son to seek after wisdom, juxtaposes the way Jesus, the voice of the Lord and what Jesus is trying to lead us into versus the evil person or the forbidden woman. The evil man versus the forbidden woman. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Proverbs chapter two. We're gonna to go to verse six. <clears throat> for the Lord gives wisdom. Look, from his mouth come understanding or come knowledge and understanding. Okay, this is what I want you to hear. Proverbs is saying it's important for us to listen, listen to the Lord. From the Lord's mouth come wisdom and under, knowledge and understanding. Okay, so he's like, listen to God, keep reading. He stores up 
sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Listen, here's the promise. For those who listen to the voice of the Lord, listen to Jesus' words, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Listen, there's a lot of things going on out in the world right now, right? Injustice, inequity, a lot of bad stuff that's going on. What Proverbs is teaching, what you have to do is come and open your ears to the voice of the Lord, listen to wisdom, sit at the Lord's feet. The Lord will make you wise and able to walk the path of righteousness, able to work justice, able to be one that has the wisdom necessary to, to, del, del, to bring out equity out in the world that we live in. But keep reading. Look, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. You see what he's saying? Learn to listen to God. You will become wise, and you will be able to navigate the complexities of life. Go to God, get wise, become wise, then you can navigate. But he's about to introduce us to some other people who want us to listen to them instead. It says this, verse 12, delivering you <clears throat> from the way of evil. Okay, what, what else? So he's saying, don't listen to this type of man or person. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delightness in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Okay, now we're starting to see why we have a problem. It's not that simple just to listen to the Lord because there's other people out there. There's other shepherds trying to shepherd our soul. There's people who are just perverted and want, us, want to lead us down a path of perversion, a path of evil, a path of darkness, he says. But not to leave the women untouched. He goes on. So you will be delivered. He's saying this, and don't listen to this girl either. You will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Okay, we hear, now we see what, some of the stuff that's going on. Solomon speaking to his son. He's saying, listen, I want you to listen to God. I want your ears to be trained to, to hear and discern what wisdom is. I want you to avoid evil men who try to take you down worldly paths. And I want you to avoid immoral women that try take you down the, the path of lust and promiscuity and all of these things. These paths won't lead you where God wants to lead you. God is a shepherd and he's trying to lead you, right? He's trying to lead you 
eventually to the new heavens and the new earth. But if you don't realize that there's competing shepherds out there and you don't realize you have to tune your ears to your shepherd Jesus's voice, then you're going to be under a lot of threat of danger all the time. Now, if I asked you this morning, who are you listening to? Who is shepherding your soul? Who has your imagination captured? Who's directing what you love and desire? See, many of us spend far more time listening to the words of our favorite Netflix series and that's what's shaping our loves or our favorite YouTubers or news commentator or musical artist. We know what they say is good. We know what they think about everything. We know what they want us to do. And yet we don't understand what Jesus is, wants for us and what Jesus has for us. And here's what we need to know. Who we're listening to, who we're giving our imagination to, they're shaping what we love and they're shaping what we pursue and what we desire. Listen, Cardi B and Jake Paul are not leading you in the same direction that Jesus is. And if you don't know who that is, that wasn't for you, that was for your kids. Listen, I'm reading some books right now and for a long time, for as long as we've been, been around, there have, we would say Christians, because of the result of the fall, people are born with different uh, maladies and dysfunctions and things. And there's been people that have been born um, different sexes, right? Or with genitals that represent both male and female. And those people were called gender dysphoria folks or struggled with gender dysphoria. They didn't know what they were, male or female. And some people even struggle with fully male bodies, grow up not feeling right at, at, in their body and in their intellect thinking that maybe they were the wrong sex and they were maybe female inside. Something like 0.001% of the human population, Okay. Now, what's interesting, in the last 10 years, scientists are now calling out a new thing that's been happening as rapid onset gender dysphoria. And it's not what, what is originally defined as gender dysphoria. It's people, usually teenagers or pre-teenagers, who feel weird in their body. Now listen, that used to be called puberty, okay? That's what it used to be called. Why are my feet longer than my legs? I, God's playing a joke on you, bro. I don't know, right? That's what happens. Your ears grow before everything else. I don't know why. Noses, ears. We feel weird in our body. We don't feel right. Our voice cracks right when we pray it wouldn't crack, right? Right when we get up in front of people in, you know, in school and, oh, and everybody laughs, right? Now listen, here's what's interesting. In the last 10 years, there are, gender dysphoria has increased by something like 4,000%. 4,000%, mainly in young girls, okay? That is not something that's happening physically. Over 75% of all of those who experience rapid onset gender dysphoria, that means literally within months, I know that I'm in the wrong body. Within months. Never, never struggled with it as a kid. Nothing physical. This is all mentally, now I know what it is, 
right? Over 75% of those who experienced this rapid onset gender dysphoria, what preceded that was a deep dive in YouTube was a deep dive on the internet where I feel weird, I don't understand myself, and someone out there tells me what my feelings are. My feelings, you'll really be whole if you were a man. That's what will make you whole. So they start binding their breasts, they start doing all kinds of things that they think are going to make them feel more at home in their body, only to find out it leads them down a deeper, deeper, deeper hole of depression. The same thing happens with folks that have eating disorders almost the far majority of people who have eating disorders are in a group of people with, in, with eating disorders, either online or in real life. That this isn't a biological issue. This is a sociological issue that our kids are being trained through YouTube and through the internet and through weird hashtags that they can click on and it will tell them who they are. And guess what? They are not being shepherded towards Jesus. They're being shepherded away from Jesus. So parents, you have to be aware of what your kids are looking at. I remember when I realized this, my kids were, I'll just say it right now. My kids were watching this Jojo, Jojo Siwa girl, big old hair bow. She's all over the thing. She's cute little fun YouTuber. I don't have a problem. Guess what? I'm not going to say that for sure, but I was going to say something. All of a sudden she comes out as she thinks she's a different gender. Okay. Innocent YouTuber that my kids are into, now all of a sudden, what is she shepherding? It's not just she's shepherding my kids to buy these giant bows. Now she's shepherding a version of the self that is anti what Jesus says the self is. Okay? We have to be aware of this. Now this is going on all the time. It's going along with our news commentators. It's going on everywhere we're at. People are trying, we live in what's called the attention economy. If they can get your attention and keep it, they get your pocketbook. This is why Facebook is free. If you didn't know that, you're the product. You're what they're selling. They get your attention and they sell your attention to the marketers. That's why you've got those advertisements that just surprisingly, you thought about a grill and there it is. Yeah. So listen, we have to be aware of the, uh, the competing shepherds that are trying to steal our intellect, steal our attention and steal our heart and steal our affections because once they get that, they lead us away. And Proverbs would say, lead us away like a stag to the slaughter because that's what they want to do. Jesus is the only kind shepherd who's leading us to the new heavens and new earth where every tear will be wiped away. So what, what, what does that mean for us? We have to attune ourselves. We have to tune our ears to hear and understand the voice of Jesus. Now, how do we do that? First, we tune our ears to the voice of Jesus through reading and knowing and understanding God's word. Listen, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture, that's this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Breathed out. That means this is God's word. This is not man's words. This is not man's ideas, man's concepts. This is God's word inspired, breathed out. 
Now listen, what is it for? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, this word will make you wise. This word will help you understand who God is and who you are and how he's built you and why you feel the way that you feel on the inside and what God has done to heal you and deliver you and bring you to the new heavens and the new earth where we won't have any more struggles. So first off, we have to listen to God's word. Now, why do I say that? Because the predominant way Even people who claim to be Christians in our society today, they listen to God is by going by their gut. They go by their gut, what feels right, what they sense. Maybe they even say things like, I think the universe is leading me in this direction, right? And your gut is not divinely inspired. And I don't know how many people I've ever talked to and I say, how do you know that's not you that really wants that, right? Listen, you remember this when you were a teenager and you, you saw that really cute girl across the thing and you knew it was the Lord's will. And then you went up to her and she knew that it wasn't. Right? This is the only way that you can know that what you're sensing in your spirit is from God is if it lines up with the word of God. So if you tell me the Lord's leading me and then you say something that's sinful, I will say, that's not the Lord. That's a different shepherd and you need to not listen to that shepherd. If you're saying something to me like the Lord's leading me to commit this sin, I'm gonna say, that's not the Lord and he's leading you in a wrong direction. The Lord doesn't lead you to sin. Okay, how much time do I got? I'm good. Let's go to John chapter 16. This is one way. I'm gonna prove this to you in scripture. When we listen to God through the spirit and through his word, we're in John 16, verses seven through 15. Jesus says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, the Holy Spirit. This has to be what I think Jesus is most difficult to deliver, to deliver sermon ever. He's like, I know I've been walking with you and turning water into wine and walking on water and casting out demons and doing all of these amazing things, but it's actually better for you if I go to the right hand of the Father. And the disciples were like, I don't think that sounds better. And he says this, if I go to the Father, I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit to you. Now keep reading. Verse eight, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. That's what sin mainly is, not to believe in Jesus. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, you'll see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Look at this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I'm gonna look at you and say this. God still has many things to say to you. How is he going to say them? Keep reading. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm sending the Holy Spirit 
to come into you to be your tutor. And your tutor will lead you into truth. And the primary place you're going to find that truth is in the revealed word of God. I'm going to open your eyes and help you see what I was saying in scripture. Okay? He says, the Spirit's not going to teach you anything new. Right? He's going to remind you what the Father said to the Son. And the Son doesn't make stuff up on his own. The Son says what's from the Father. So the Holy Spirit's main job is to teach us the Bible. When we're reading and we didn't understand something and all of a sudden one day, maybe we've read it a hundred times, that thing like almost like pulsates off the page. And you read that one verse and you feel like, oh, that's the Lord speaking to me. Yes, that's the Lord speaking to you. That's how the spirit illuminates the word of God and teaches you what, already, what Jesus has already taught and what the father has already taught. It's not primarily something in your gut that told you to go to the grocery store and you got there and something was on sale. Oh, I knew it was the spirit. <laughs> no. Could he? Yeah, sure he could. Why would he? I don't know. But the main thing the spirit does is teaches us the truth, the scripture. Okay? So when you're reading the Bible, it's going to be confusing. It's not going to, you know, illuminate every single day, but Talk to the Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to do what he said he was going to do. Lead you into the truth as you read your scriptures. Okay? Now, lastly, well, it's actually in the same category. We listen to God through preaching. We listen to God through our missional community. We listen to God through God's people. That God speaks to his people for you. Right? And now, lastly, we listen to God in creation. God speaks to us in creation. God tells us of his value, of his, in, his infinite worth. He tells us of his, just how big he is, his expansiveness. When you get up on the mountain and you look out of it, you say, look at creation. There must be a creator. God speaks to us in all these ways. Now listen, here's, here's what I'm saying. God has adopted us into his family through the gospel He's went to our sheep pen and he's called our names and he's pulled us into his sheepfold and he said, you are mine. And here it is. Wise children or obedient sheep learn to listen to their father's voice. So we set aside regular time to listen to God. Now, when I came to faith, when I was 17 years old, I don't think I had read a book up until that day. I got through high school mainly by cheating, okay? And God saved me, and I went to the preacher and I said, what do I do? And he said, tog. And I said, tog? That ain't a word, I don't think. He said, T-A-W-G, time alone with God. I said, tog, okay, I can tog it. Let's do it, let's do it. Tomorrow, wake up early. I woke up early, I opened up my Bible, I started reading it. I didn't know anything. I've got a study Bible. And so I kept well, reading it and I have to go down to the notes and help to understand it. But the Holy Spirit was with me. And now whatever it's been now, what has it been now? 23 years later, 24 years later, I understand God's word a lot better than I did way back in the day. So Christians, we want to train ourselves to understand and hear the voice of God. Guess what we have to do? We have to be students of the word. We have to be daily in our Bibles coming to understand what he said to us. That means we need silence and solitude. 
need to shut off the music and shut off the TV and shut off the technology and not open our phones until we open God's word and have God's word speak to us. We need to get up before our kids, before we've got to make, make breakfast and stop fights and do all the stuff that we've got to do. We've got to make God a priority in our day. We also just have weekly rhythms like the gathering and like missional community that God likes to speak to us through preachers and speaks to us through our missional communities and family members in MC. And so we, even when we don't feel like it and we would rather maybe possibly like today be on the golf course than be here, we make it a priority and guess what? God shows up. God speaks to us sometimes when we're not even expecting him to. We never know. I didn't come expecting it. God spoke something to me that actually changed my life, changed what I thought about the gospel or myself or my family. Now listen, here's Jesus and the book of Proverbs teach us this. It's in solitude with God where we learn who we are. We learn what it means to be children in his family. And it's in solitude with God where we settle into our identity. And we kind of, it, it's where God, it's the, it's the crock pot where God prepares us to serve us up to the world. It's in solitude. See, it's in solitude where you, God prepares us, right, to come out of solitude and enter into the relationships of our life with actually something of eternal value to say. We go to God in solitude. God makes us wise through his word. And now we've got some depth to us. We got some flavor to us to go out and live our normal everyday life in the world and smell, taste, think, talk differently. And that leads me to my next point. Since we are now a family of missionary servants, we also make it a point to listen to our brothers and sisters in Christ and those we are on mission to. So one of the things that makes Sacred City so special is how hard we work at listening to one another in missional community. We aren't there just to speak or teach. We want to listen well. This is especially important as we listen to each other's story. Now listen, I've, I said it like this. <clears throat> Jesus is the only shepherd who's leading us to the new heavens and new earth. The gospel is a story. It goes like this, four parts, Creation, God made everything good. Fall, mankind sinned and everything was cursed. And then there was a long stretch in there where people tried to fix that and make things right and they couldn't on their own. And God sent Jesus to be our redeemer, okay? The one who took our place and lived the life that we failed to live and died the death that we deserve in order to renew creation and redeem us and lead us back or lead us into the new heavens, the new earth, which is the fourth part, which we call restoration. Now, why is that important? <clears throat> because the universe we live in has that type of narrative structure. If I talk to you, most of your stories are gonna go like this. Actually, most of the stories we watch on TV, we read books, are like this. In the beginning, things were good. Then things went bad. How, what, how did it go bad? My parents got a divorce. I was abused as a child. I was neglected. I got made fun of at school. I lost my job. The economy crashed. Okay, boom, boom. Creation, things were good. Fall, things went bad. Now here's where, here's where, things, go, here's where things go bad, even worse. Who's going to redeem that? Who's going to fix that? What happens to us in our story 
most of the time is we go, I will be my redeemer. I will fix that. I'll work harder and I'll be successful and then I'll deliver myself to my utopian future. Whether it's getting into that neighborhood or getting to that six-figure bracket or whatever it is. And guess what? When our stories fall apart like that and we become our redeemer, we're not built for that and we will fail ourselves and fail our families. We can't do that. So in missional community, what we're trying to do is we're trying to point people back to the only redeemer who will get them where they want to go. And that's the new heavens, the new earth. We can get we can so lose sight of the gospel and get stuck in patterns of thinking and living that are unhelpful and destructive to our flourishing as a child of God. I remember my wife and I were out to eat one time with this young woman and she was experiencing a lot of pain and frustration in her life and just kind of caught up in this, this guilt and this shame and we kept inviting her into missional community and she would come but then she would feel like shame and guilt and all this kind of stuff. And she was stuck in this bad narrative pattern of, of, her, of her life. And we started listening to her story. And it comes out that she was married and her husband had become an alcoholic and he had, was stuck in alcoholism and gambling and all kinds of different things and having an affairs. And so she goes to a church and she wants, to, she wants some help. And the pastor tells her, if you have enough faith, God will heal your husband and God will deliver your family. Well, months later, husband completely tanks it, tanks the, tanks the, like, winds up in prison. They get a divorce. And now she's been carrying around this weight of, I guess I just didn't have enough faith to heal my husband. She starts weeping in the restaurant. And I got to look at her across the table. And I said, that is a lie. That is not the gospel. That's a false gospel. Jesus is your redeemer. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about who your faith is in. See, it's not about if you have enough faith, this will happen to you. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Jesus is the only one who will never fail you. That was a false gospel that that pastor had put on her and she was walking around with a weight of guilt and shame like somehow she just didn't have enough faith to see her husband healed. What did she need? She needed to be restoried. Listen, you're not your family's redeemer. Jesus is. Put that weight on him. He's the only one that can carry the burden of somebody's salvation. Now, the fact is, all of us need to be restoried at times. And one of the ways we do that at Sacred City is by telling our stories and having Christian brothers and sisters who have been with Jesus listen well and apply the gospel to what they hear. And as missionaries, we want to be listening for ways to serve those we are on mission to. It's very simple. Good missionaries are good listeners. We're listening for needs in our community, in our neighbors, in our friendships. We're listening for needs and then we're stepping towards them and moving toward them to help meet those needs or point them to Jesus who will meet those needs. Listening is something every single one of us can do. It's a great gift. Listen, everybody's trying to get attention online. Everybody's trying to get clicks and likes and engagements. By listening well, 
We're actually giving people what they need in their soul. We're giving them eyes and ears, not just clicks and likes. People are starved for human personal interaction. They're starved for anyone who will actually listen to them. So, so many of us, you'll never preach a sermon. You'll never write a book. You may never lead worship up on stage. You may never lead a Bible study or a prayer meeting, but God has called you to be a good listener. And you can do that. You can give that to your neighbor. So, we listen to God, training our ears to recognize his voice so that we can follow Jesus, our great shepherd and leader. As we listen to Jesus, we become people who actually have something to say that's worth listening to. We also listen to our Christian family members and those we are on mission to. It's pretty simple. Something we can all do. Let me finish like this. Can I ask you this morning, whose voice are you listening to? It may be your father in heaven. It may be your earthly father, your earthly mother's voice. Who's shepherding your soul? Who's leading you? Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of another they will not follow. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us this morning? We come to you and we need our ears to be trained. We don't want to follow the voices of the world that are leading away from you in patterns of darkness and destruction and addiction and abuse. We don't want to lead, we don't, be, we don't want to follow this the pattern of the world that leads us to lust and perversion and foolishness. We want to follow our good shepherd who's leading us to the new heavens and the new earth. Would you tune our ears to your voice? We're also very aware how often we can get distracted and we can listen and we can walk away from Jesus and we can pursue our own selfish desires and our own paths. And Jesus, you are kind enough to come after us. You know, that one sheep that wanders off, you're kind enough to come back, put us on your shoulders and bring us back to the fold. And so we return back to you this morning. That's something that the Lord's Supper reminds us of is every week we come back to the table and you give us grace. So would you use this meal to tune our affections for you. You are the only one that when we fail you, you give us grace. Jesus, on the night that you were betrayed, you, you took the bread and you took the cup and you said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant. This is a covenant of grace. We don't get what we deserve. We get what you deserve. And so we come to you this morning with our hands open and we ask once again that you would communicate that grace to us and help us hear your voice above all others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.